Yo, 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 hello and welcome back to the AOA show. I am your host as always, Ian, along with my boys, Isaiah. Yo. And Gavin. What is going on? And today we are here to talk about the movie Howl's Moving Castle, our first thoughts, impressions, and our review. Um, So Howl's Moving Castle, for the brief summary... Um, is a 2004 Japanese animated fantasy film written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, The film is loosely based on the 1986 novel of the same name by British author Diana Wine-Jones. The film was produced by Toshio Suzuki, animated by Studio Ghibli, and produced by Toho. The Japanese voice cast features Chiko Beasho, Takoya Kim... Uh, apologies for the butchering these names, Kimura, um, while the versions dubbed in English starred Gene Simmons, Emily Mott, uh, Mortimer, uh, Lauren Bacall, Christian Bale, and Billy Crystal. So the uh, story is set in like a fictional kingdom, steampunk vibes, the whole thing, both magic is a thing, it's like early 20th century technology are both uh, take a prevalent um, front, you know, uh, position on stage. Um, and, you know, kind of highlights some of the atrocities of war while also going into some more personal themes as well. Uh, won't go into the, the whole thing more, uh, more so into the review. I'll give these time, these guys some room to talk about it. Um, but I have to say, I've said this once, I'll say it again. I really like steampunk is like the most interesting shit to me in a sense, because not, and okay, I actually say that. And I don't mean it fully, right? So, like, there's a double meaning to that. It's interesting in the sense that it's, like, yeah, it's visually interesting, but it's interesting in the sense of, like, how uninteresting it could be if not done correctly. <laughs> so, again, I've said this before when when reviewing other things, but, like, there's something about steampunk that is so bleak to me, yet so interesting at the same time, right? It's, like, you have this creative liberty to do whatever the hell you want, and if you do it well, even though there is no right way to do it, it could look fantastic, right? And it's just all these really cool, there is no wrong way per se to do it, right? Because it's just like, let your imagination run wild. Um, But there's something to me, generally speaking, when I see like steampunk, that makes me feel like it's a future that our world will never like attain or or not that that we're not gonna attain it, that we've actually like, if we were to have a steampunk era, I feel like we move past it as as like as earth and that might be a weird statement but i feel like it's like it's like technological advances that almost at the same time seem primitive is any of this making sense because i feel like i i'm like am i the only one who thinks this where it's like i feel like if steampunk was a thing it would be like in some alternate timeline that it's like we've come to that (laughs) conclusion right because it reminds me of all these like da vinci inventions and stuff it's like what's that i said a, a little bit like i i i don't know it's weird when i think of steampunk i actually think of like it could still happen like every time I because I always think about it like if our world where we're at right now ends up getting fucking like just clock resetted you know and it's like we end up hitting some regression where like technology fucking just stops working um and the world you know as it would if this happened just falls the fuck apart because we're so clicked and and you know what I mean hinged to technology that like this would be the world that would spawn from it where everybody has like the knowledge of technological advancement but like we don't have the tools so we have to like scrap our way back up and you get this sort of like old primitive like world but with people who have the sort of knowledge and foreground of like how to combine and how to build and create new things um 
That's usually what I think, but I guess it's like kind of. That's actually way. brilliant. That's actually a brilliant hypothesis. I never thought of it like that. I always, because I was looking at it in this tunnel vision sense of like, okay, I feel like, you know, we always have to move forward, obviously. And like, if steampunk was going to be a thing, I, I feel like we already passed it, right? Our technology just doesn't seem to line up. But that actually makes so much sense. And I never thought of it in that perspective where it's like a scenario where we almost backtrack, but we still have the knowledge of you know what i mean all this technology and stuff is actually a very interesting way of looking at it hmm you've opened my eyes that's really cool um but yeah i mean with that being said i i did like the world um a lot i liked a lot of the characters in it there were a lot of there were a lot of uh, good lessons to be learned as most of these hayao miyazaki films have right they definitely have some very human lessons to them i would say some things would be accepting people for who they are right would be a huge one because i would say in this movie every character or at least main character i you know has their own set of personal issues whether it be that they're cursed with a spell or they are basically selfish children or that they are an old woman that curses people and tries to take their hearts or what have you right like everyone has their own slew of secrets and or personality i don't want to say defects because it's not that that makes them defective um but definitely quirks right and in different traits so it's that's definitely a lesson that i think that a lot of people could learn from it while watching the movie um and i i feel like another main um point and in like a character development moment especially for Hal, which we will get into so i don't want to ha- harp too much on it um but would be i wrote down specifically in my notes have something worth protecting which i feel like was a big lesson that i took away from it and definitely helps to give people a purpose in life and when like people find that purpose and that meaning it adds like a whole new perspective to the decisions that they make and why they make them so i thought that was an interesting thing that i got as well um and then if you wanted to look at it more too on the bleaker side because there is a definitely a big um Mm -hmm. you know uh talk about war in the movie obviously war is raging (laughs) throughout the entire yeah a little bit right the war is raging throughout basically the entire film and it's pretty devastating um you know from from the looks of it in the movie and um more for me just past the um like the observations that you make of the bombs dropping and all that kind of stuff are just kind of the behind the scenes things that are going on like the political motivating factors um that influence the decisions of the people that are in power and not to make this some like whole political jargon where i'm trying to take like a moral high ground on anything like that but i did think it was interesting you that you can draw parallels to whatever you want because history repeats itself you know what i mean like there are characters in this movie um that i i deemed as like the true villains you know what i mean w- which would probably um be the again her name evades me but like the head sorceress uh, chick sullivan from, or solomon is the king's assistant one the, yep, king, yep, the, the yep. royal sorcerer like yeah, her Sol- you know what i mean like i view her as like way more of a villain than someone like the the witch of um which waste wish of waste right Witch you know what i mean waste. who don't get me yeah. wrong definitely has her own slew of problems i'm not saying she's a saint in any way shape or form um but like that i guess that's my point right you know what i mean is that like there's different lenses that you could look at this through and like there's more to things behind the scenes as to why these wars are fought and all that kind of stuff and i feel like this movie does a good job at highlighting some of those things um so i did i did enjoy the, f- the film thoroughly but i'm curious to hear your guys thoughts on you know some of the characters if you enjoyed it if you didn't specific scenes what things you pulled from it all that kind of stuff let me know your thoughts um 
so I, I definitely liked it. it. I feel like I'm in this weird spot now where because we've watched so many of these films in succession with another, um, where like I really, by this time, by the time we got to this movie, like <laughs> I really am kind of burnt out on like just Miyazaki films. Like again, that's not a knock on his films. It's not a knock on him as a filmmaker, but like there's something about me as a, as a, per, as a personal person where like I can't watch like watching too many of the same because me one of Miyazaki's greatest strengths in my opinion is also one of his greatest weaknesses, which is that all his theme all all his themes all his movies thematically are tied so well in like the same boat as in every movie like has a message about like you know has a has a message thematically about like whatever it is that he was either thinking about or whatever was going on in his life when he made said film. Right, like this one has a lot of very strong anti-war themes, um, because when Miyazaki was writing this movie, it was he had a lot of like sort of anger and distaste about uh, the Iraq War and like sort of how you know that whole situation like ended up happening and what happened as a result of that. Um, but I don't know, I've because we, 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 you know we've been doing reviews. On, I've just watched so many of his films back to back that like I'm starting to I'm like getting like weirdly like like dulled by it you know and and again that is not to say that like i didn't like this movie or or i think it's like less than others or whatever but like i i think it's just literally from having watched so many of his movies that i'm like it's harder for me to like sit and like watch the whole thing all the way through without like like losing focus or like thinking about other things um i don't know so that definitely like kind of sucked because there there's moments where i was like completely taken out of the movie and like because you know what it was it was like once I felt like I got the message, right? Because that's, I guess, w how I see a lot of his films. It's like, there's a message in here for you to take. It may not be the same message that everybody takes, but for me, more or less, it was like, once you get the message, you've got it, right? Like, arguably, in a way, there's, like, no real reason to finish the film. And I know that sounds bad, but, like, again, from having watched so many of these in succession, I started noticing that as a pattern, right? Where I'd be watching the movie, and at some point, I'd be like, all right, got it. That's what you're, you're trying to say here. So it was like, as soon as I got that message here, I was probably about like halfway, maybe a little less in the film. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Why do I like weirdly feel like I don't have to, I sh like, I don't want to finish. Like, I don't have to finish this movie. Um, I don't know. That's just me, whatever. But objectively though, like just looking at it and talking about it as a movie, um, again, I feel like it, it's hard to, at least for me to like to say anything without treading a lot of the same ground because Miyazaki has such a very consistent familiar pattern where it's like this man knows what he's doing he knows how to craft a story he knows how to put together um characters and realistic motivations for how like all these different people interact and with this movie in particular like I said before having a lot of like anti-war messaging um like you were saying before it is it's very it's very easy to take anybody's any one character's perspective in this movie and flip it as like the bad guy or the villain right where it's like you know it's a lot of layers to every character and everybody's circumstances where there is really like because that's you know that is the reality of war right is the the villain right or the the evil entity if that if you need to you know call it that or, or play is war itself right is the fact that these two sides can't come together in any reasonable way other than destroying each other so it's like you know one side has has their reasons for fighting and the other side has their reasons for fighting but it's like nobody is right because that that doesn't like because then like it would be more i guess like obvious right or you would know but there is really no right or wrong in war 
other than the fact that this war exists and that like this is the only thing you ended up resorting to um but yeah again like as, a, as an objective movie i did really like it i think like you know again i don't want to like repeat myself so i don't really have too many new things to add but like i do love miyazaki style um he's got this like just visually and aesthetically this like the world he creates um are just like so so like the staple of the word fantasy at least to me like when i think about when somebody when you say the word fantasy like i imagine studio ghibli films like the worlds that he makes are so synonymous with like that idea and that you know that vision in my mind but uh yeah i'll let gavin go <laughs> no no for sure and honestly like since we've been watching so many of miyazaki's movies and you know like just really doing like analysis on him and you know just thematically what he's about and things like that dude i just can't help but appreciate his work even more like even howl's moving castle i like i like how he's able to get his points across and really instill the ideas that he believes in and portray it in his work and not overwhelm the storyline or destroy characters it's like he's just so good at getting his point across and like just putting his own opinion on things, putting his own spin on things. And, like, each story, yeah, there there are similarities and, you know, like, overlapping ideas and things like that, but it's, like, every world is its own entity and every story is, like, its own independent, like, thing and it's at the end of the day. And it's just, it's so cool to watch because the creativity just keeps on flowing and keeps on coming. And it's, like, I, I can see how there's some repetition in, like, in themes, you know, like anti-war, you know, waste and stuff like that. But I also like that doesn't bother me. It, it it almost like reinforces just like my admiration for it. And it's like, and it comes with the like little things, like which of the waste, you know, and like her whole character being seen as like in like kind of like an evil entity, like until later on in the movie and things like that. But it's like even with the name it just comes at it where it's like waste, you know, waste is bad. It's almost like evil in a sense, you know, but like inevitable. So he like does this weird play on like words and just characters. And it's just awesome because it takes me all the way back to fucking spirited away when they had that sea dragon, when they pulled all the waste out of him. And, you know, it's like, it's those little things that are just put there on purpose, you know, because he wants them to be, because that's his opinion. But, you know, I feel like a lot of his movies are can also be geared toward children in watching it. And it's almost like he just wants, like, those ideas, like, observed, you know. And it's, it's like that subconscious, like, learning, you know, that you get in our TV shows where when you get older, you look at it and you're like, ah, those were the hidden intentions. Like, the, that's the takeaways that they wanted you to, like, really grasp, like, when you were a kid. And I just feel it so prevalent in his movies, and I love it. And that even goes to his character choices. Like, there's a lot of flack that you see in Hollywood nowadays where it's, you know, like, really putting female characters, like, up on a pedestal and doing it properly. And, you know, like, there's so many back... There's so much, like... There's so much conversation on that point. And it's weird because, you know, in anime, it's kind of... You see it where, like, Naruto... I. First example off the top of my dome, Sakura, you know, and it's like, I didn't like her as like a character because I didn't feel like, I just didn't like her. It didn't feel like a person and it just, it felt lacking. And then you get something like Miyazaki where, you know, his main characters tend to be, if not, like it's very consistent that he just knows how to write a very strong female protagonist and supporting characters. And it, it like, it doesn't matter. I just, you feel that connection, you know, for whoever it is, even with the kid Markel, like, yeah, he's a child, but like, 
he also gives him that like responsibility almost as an adult, you know, it's not like that, that trope where it's like, Oh, he's just a little kid. He does magic. You know, he's an idiot. He could be like, just running around the streets, like doing like kid stuff. It's like, no, it's a little kid, but he's grounded and he's smart and he's reserved. You know, he's not like, he's not making like stereotypical, like little jokes. It's all like he contrives his own characters and makes them so independent. But like, he also creates them with the strong backing and it's like, you just connect with each of them. And it's, I don't know. I, I really appreciate it. And I really think that he does a well job and he really thinks critically about his characters and he knows how they should work and how he wants them to work. Um, and I think that's just, what's the most appealing thing about his movies to me. It's like, you, you just, I don't feel like any character is lacking in any way. Like, you can connect to him, he gets his points across, and you just, there's nothing that you can't not like about it, you know? Everything is just so well written and so well fought through, and you could just see it from execution beginning to end. And, I don't know, I, I've honestly, I love it. Like, I really, really, really like his work, and I wish with, like, my whole heart that I watched it when I was younger, um, so like I can get to this point in my life and rewatch it similar to other like shows that you did when you were kids and you like get that like reassurance and it's like that extra insight. I really am like kicking myself that I missed out on it, but you know, at least you still can appreciate it when you're an adult and that's how you know it's timeless. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree too, especially with your points of Miyazaki being able to write a great characters, but B being able to really just hit the nail on the head with female protagonists um, like none other. I have never seen, at least in anime, um, for the most part, I have never seen somebody be able to make such amazing, likable, determined, strong female protagonists as Hayao Miyazaki. I'm just throwing that out there as a thing. I think that's really cool. Um, I actually think it was interesting. In 2013, Miyazaki said the film was his favorite creation, which I find interesting. That's a conversation in and of itself. He said, explaining, I wanted to convey the message that life is worth living, and I don't think that's changed. Um, so I think that's that's kind of interesting as well um, that, you know, that he said that there. And just kind of go, because I usually go into this in the beginning, but just kind of get into like some of the film's notoriety or, or money that it's made and like the cult following and stuff like that. Um it, the world premiere for Howl's Moving Castle was at the Venice Film Festival on September 5th, 2004, and was theatrically released in Japan on November 20th, 2004. Uh, it went on to gross $190 million in Japan and $236 million worldwide, making it one of the most financially successful Japanese films in history. Uh, the film received critical acclaim, particularly for its visuals and Miyazaki's presentation of the themes. So, and uh, beyond that, it was nominated for Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the 78th Academy Awards. Um, you know, there are a lot of titles and stuff like that. But again, just to go into kind of how consistent Miyazaki has been and just kind of to pedal back to uh, some of the stuff Isaiah was saying as well, where I totally agree, where it's like one of his biggest strengths is also a weakness if you watch too many of these films in a row <laughs> um, like we have done and it's like I almost wish we kind of split it up a little bit because it's like you get on this and not that they're bad at all they're, they're phenomenal all of them like we've said but it's like you know what I mean? Like he's so good at telling you that it's like almost as if you don't need the rest of the movie, <laughs> at least if you're just, if you're just going for the message that is, um, you know, if you want to see all the amazing visuals and everything else, it's incredible. But I just find it interesting. You guys both brought up some pretty cool points that I, I definitely agree with. Um, I did want to talk about, 
um, particularly Hal and Sophie, being that I would consider those two like the main main characters, right? Out of it, although again, there are other all these other characters have their role to play, and they are all very relevant. But I do feel like that these two characters are particularly interesting, and they do take a front uh, front seat in the film as well. Um, can we just talk about first of all how Hal is just a fucking stud? Can we just talk about that for for like a second? For like a second, bro. I saw this man walk up like right off the... What? No, 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 no. We're going multiple seconds. I saw this man walk up immediately and just like float away. Like it just float away with that sh- with the uh, with Sophie in the beginning, and I was like, this guy. And then when he when she goes in like the first time and she's old and he's just coming in just like strutting his stuff, throws his thing on the table, starts making eggs. I'm like, dude, this guy. He's just like, he's just got it. You know, you just got to figure it out. And it's funny, though, because then how wrong I was, because like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because then like literally like a scene later or so, I'm realizing I'm like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have it at all. (laughs) I was like, I was duped. (laughs) I was like, this guy's got charm. I even fell for it. And it's an animated movie. I was like, I was totally ready to believe that this guy could save the world from disaster, but he cannot. He barely even make his own bed, which was which was incredible. Again, just like a testament to his character. Um, I just thought to be hilarious and ironic that he just had this like such a captivating charm and like this outward appearance and then inwardly like he had quite literally and figuratively his own demons as it were uh, to contend with right and I thought that he was a very interesting character for a lot of those reasons um, kind of like delving more into his backstory you know you, you you figure out when he was a child he never finishes the academy with his um, for sorcerers or mages or magicians or whatever, um, and he's kind of living this like weird symbiotic. Um, I guess that's the right word, like sy- symbiotic. The, yeah, symbiotic relationship with Calcifer as well, where it's like they sh- they share this this weird bond that like shouldn't be shared. You know what I mean? But like they do, and it's like they they're able to play off each other with that. And I just found his character incredibly interesting. And I thought it was really cool to live almost vicariously through him in a sense where it was like, you just wanted to feel like cool, hot shit. Cause you know, he is, but like, but he also has this, this moment of like incredible growth. Um, because I would say of Sophie, who I did want to get into in a second. Um, but again, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying in the beginning from some of the things that I really took away from this film is that I feel like Howell doesn't even fully understand what he's doing until later in the film and like when there's a reason put behind it. And what I mean is that like he's out there trying to stop war, right? And like defending, you know, whatever homelands there are. And and it's like he's doing good for the sake of good and he comes home tired and beat his shit every day. And it's like, I almost feel like he doesn't even know why he's doing it. You know what I mean? Like at, at first, which it's like, not that that makes it bad. I would encourage him to help people to not get bombed, but it's just like, it's like, there's no direction. Right. And there's no like framework for why he's like doing what he's doing. And, and beyond him helping, you know, with the war effort, just his personal life in general, you know what I mean? He's kind of a wreck. He has a mental breakdown when his hair changes color. Um, You know, like he's, he's kind of immature in certain ways. And it's like, until Sophie comes comes along and kind of gives him that direction and that reason to keep living and that reason to fight, um, you know, it's it's from there that like Howell could like truly believe in others and in himself. And there's, I believe there's a, there's even a line of it when he's about to go out and she's like, 
she's trying to stop him and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. So I'll probably butcher the lines, but she basically tries to stop him from leaving. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, well, I've, I've finally found something worth protecting. So like now I have to go more than ever, you know? Um, to me that really hit me hard as, as uh, a viewer, you know, cause it was like, wow, I think that was the defining moment in his growth, you know? Cause it's like live or die. What I'm doing now has meaning to it. And I just want, I want to be free to have that choice. You know what I mean? To like lay my life on the line for something that I think matters. So I thought that was really cool, um, you know, to watch unfold as a viewer and just speaks more to Miyazaki's uh, ability to create these really in like um, emotionally in-depth characters like Howl. Um, but I wanted to talk about Sophie as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys chime in as well. Cause I'm sure you had to love Sophie. Like who doesn't love Sophie in this film? She's so damn likable, but like I hated her. just talking about her, stop, <laughs> you better not. She, that woman is a saint. She is like <laughs> the her. most, in, oh, dude, you're nuts. She is like the most inward beauty in this entire film. And uh, I don't know. There's just so much to say about her and how she inward helps beauty. Grow, wow. But... <laughs> was that like a little fucking smack to the face? No, no absolutely not. Well, like she's not, she's, well, I think, I mean, she is like 90 in the film. You know what I mean? Like you can be I the know, best looking person on planet earth when you're 90. Jeez. Time, <laughs> time waits for no man. God, she's got a great personality. <laughs> no, it was just funny because like, it's a theme where like, she, she doesn't like think that she's beautiful, you know, or like to that standard. You're like, yeah, you know, her with her inward beauty, it was kind of just like, Jesus fuck. No outward beauty. Either. Like, okay, She's yeah. beautiful in every way. All right, Gavin, how about you yeah. explain Sophie and the things that you loved about her then? Clearly, I butchered that, according um, to you. So, fuck you. You explain it. I, I, think, <laughs> I think, actually, Sophie is a little bit in the wrong with her choice of being with All right, Owl. Isaiah, how about and you no, 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 explain it? No, 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 I think no, no, she's no, butt-ass no. ugly and she sucks. <laughs> Hold on. No. All right, I'll take I it have, back then. <laughs> no, fuck you. I have an explanation, <laughs> and that's because the real, the realest of real G in this entire story I have got to say is my favorite character, and that's fucking Turnip Head Man. Not only was that man the number one guy, like, he always had her back. He was always doing the dirty work, dude. He waited in that wasteland, and he was chilling until they came back, even after Howell kicked him off, and he was still there delivering shit to her, helping her out, giving her umbrellas, being a G. I, I just think my man is underrated, and he's doing he's doing God's work. That's all I got to say about it. But uh, my man Turniphead, shout out to you. I fucking oh, I love him, dude. Turniphead's dope. He is. Um, Isaiah, what are your thoughts on Sophie as a character, not Turniphead? <laughs> um, well, I really think Sophie is a good catalyst for a Turniphead. No, I'm kidding. Let me go into my video me. essay I've been working on as to why Sophie yeah, thank God is you guys irrelevant. Are shut the fuck up now, so I can talk about Turniphead and how dope he is. Um. No, I, I, I do uh, – I think a lot of the characters in this movie are great. And something that I was saying before, um, I do think, like, reigns true, where it's, like, one of this movie's, in particular, greatest strengths that I think it has is, unlike a lot of Miyazaki's other films, it does leave a lot of, like um, – what's the word? Am am ambiguity uh, with, like, you know, like, I guess, like, personal motivation. So, like, there are characters who do good things and there are characters who do bad things. But it's, like – Everybody at the end of the day, what I think makes this story so compelling is these characters, because regardless of like how you view uh, like the, you know, why somebody is doing what they're doing at the end of the day, every all of these characters, Sophie included, are doing what they are making the decisions that they feel are right, like to make in said moment. Right. And like, that's what 
this movie to me is like such a strong representation of at least when we're talking about Miyazaki films um is that like char- character motivations I think this movie and I think Sophie is one of the prime examples of characters that do that and really hearken to this idea of like telling a compelling story that while uh you know you while morally like you know a little bit ambiguous is like I found it hard to I found it hard to truly hate any of these characters, right? Or, like, every time I, like, you know, thought of a character and was like, oh, I don't know, like, it's, you know, that's some sideways way of thinking. It's like, it, like, it, is it, the, you know, like, well, like, I don't know. If you, like, you know, if you look at it from this angle and, and this light or, like, this person, these people are trying to make the best decisions that they can in, you know, in the moment with as much information as they have. And, like, you as a viewer, it's so easy to, like, sort of step above all that, right, and look at things in hindsight and be like, no, you know, like, you can't think that way because, like, you're going to do this and this. But it's like, you know, these characters don't have that, right? They don't have that hindsight. They don't know. All they're doing is is making the decisions with the information they have. And it's like, when that's done so well, it's so easy to see and feel how motivated these characters are and, and, and feel them, like, progressing and pushing the story through um, in that light, which I think is just just dope no yeah that makes that makes total sense um and i definitely agree with all the points that you brought up i i wanted to just kind of get to some as tradition would dictate some of our closing thoughts what we'd rate the film overall and uh if we'd recommend that folks watch it as well so i'll start as usual um you know, uh, the movie's good. I, I do think that you should watch it. And again, usually I'll say, well, I'll th- I think if you do this, you should watch it. And if you're going to look at it in this framework, you shouldn't watch it and stuff. And I'll usually go a little more in depth sometimes or sometimes not. Uh, but this film, I think in general, you should just watch. I think, I think it's, I think it's good enough, especially if you haven't seen a lot of the, or even if you have seen a lot of the Miyazaki films, it's cool to see how far he's come. And you'd obviously want to check out the work that he deems to be his favorite, right? Cause that's gotta be interesting to kind of hop into his mind a little bit. Um, you know, but even if you haven't, and you know, you're just looking for something good to watch like this, it's a good movie with great themes, um, great messages and objectively just a sound quality film. I definitely think that you should watch it. Um, and you know, that's kind of my concluding thought or for the reasons that I just said that you should watch it. That's why, right. That's the conclusion. So I think overall I would, I would probably give, what's that? (laughs) And period. That's my thought. Yeah. And period done. Finn. And no. Um, but I think I would probably rate this film. I would say an eight out of 10. Uh, I think this was one of my personally, my, my personal opinion was actually one of my, uh, more liked Miyazaki films out of the one, not that I really disliked any of them, but like, I liked this one more so than some of his other ones. And maybe some of his other, like, you know, really hyped up ones like spirited away and stuff like that. Like my personal opinion, I really like this film. Um, and I think that unfortunately to our detriment being that we've watched so many Miyazaki films in rapid succession that might have tainted even my, outlook on the film because it was you know very similar uh to all the other ones but i think that i if i had watched this maybe first or as a standalone thing or you give it some time before you watch it again like this this is just a standout film to me i my personal opinion so that's my final thoughts isaiah what do you got um i agree i i I want to say obviously, but it's like, no, I, I, like, look, somebody could watch this movie or any movie and not like it, right? That's how art works. But, like, I, well, I guess what I mean is, like, it's, it's 
a no-brainer for me, and it was even going into it, that I would like this film. Um, I Now, I will say it's different, like, it's weirdly different for me, somebody who's watched most of these films already, like, you know, at you know, at the time I did, years and years ago, um, and then rewatching a lot of them now, whether that's picking up on things contextually that I didn't grasp when I was younger, or whether that's, like, being sort of reminded and, like, being brought back to that place uh, where I was at when I was younger watching some of these films. Um, but I do, I do wholeheartedly believe in, and want to stress, because I do believe what I was saying before at the beginning of this is true, in that, like, Miyazaki's greatest strength is his greatest weakness, in my personal opinion, which is that, like, a lot of his movies have very sound, like, solid core messages, like, to their, you know, to the film, thematically. That's, like, you watch it, and there's there's a message to be taken from him to the viewer. Um, I feel like if you are to watch these movies, like, it definitely behooves you, and, and this is, like, a, this is a specific thing that we had to do in order to review them in this amount of time, but, like... You, you get no benefit, I guess is what I'm trying to say, from, like, binging his movies or, like, watching them in any sort of, like, rapid succession. I think it these work best if you, like, watch one and then, you know, take some time, like, a couple months or whatever, and then you watch another one. Because they're almost, at that point, then it's, like, little, you know, presents. They're, like, little treats that you get to get re-invited back into. And, and, you know, his very, like I said, his very familiar and aesthetically pleasing world that you get to get brought back into for another round or for another trip, um, as opposed to, like starting to like look at them because I, I felt like at some point I just stopped watching the movies um I stopped taking them in like I guess uh I stopped like taking them in aesthetically and started like looking at them objectively right and I like started being like all right what is the message here like what are you trying to say and then once I honed in on it I was like all right cool and I like instinctively lost that much more like motivation to like continue watching the movie because but again that's more like my specific circumstance of watching the movie um I do think like this movie amongst all the Miyazaki films, amongst all the Studio Ghibli films, is definitely one of my personal favorites. Um, and probably one of the only films that I might, that I would probably revisit, like, on my own. Which, other than, like, Princess Mononoke, maybe, I can't really say that about any of these, these other films. You know, because I've, se I've seen them, I you know, now that we've sort of ended our <laughs> our arc with Miyazaki films um I've seen all of these all of his films at least twice um and this one of them is the only one that like I think is gonna like stick in my mind and not to say that I'll like forget the other ones or that I don't think highly of them or anything like that but just this is the only one whose like message I guess and like the world that this takes place in is something that, like, if somebody was like, yo, you want to watch Howl's Movie Castle? I'd be like, yeah, sure, put it on. As opposed to the other ones where it's art, where I think I could honestly say if I had no external reason to watch any of the other films, I probably would never put them on again. So I would definitely, I definitely say yes to this movie. I think you should totally watch it again. want to emphasize, take take a minute. If you're, if you're, like, doing some sort of, you know, Studio Ghibli binge or whatever, like, space it out a little bit because I, I i think it definitely hurts these movies at least again for me it did to watch them in that manner but i would definitely give it this movie probably a solid like eight eight and a half out of ten solid gavin mm. end us off my friend what do you got end us off no it's interesting especially when like you really compare his work and like try to figure out which one's your favorite like it, it's weird because ever since castle in the sky dude like even this one doesn't even dethrone it at all for me like still a great movie 
I loved Howl's Moving Castle, but it's like, it, it depends on how you watch it. And, you know, for me, I don't as much look at it to, I don't look at thematics when I watch Miyazaki's work because I feel like it just displays itself in the way. I really go for the abstract character designs, um, you know, motivations, the side characters, all that stuff. And again, this this movie didn't disappoint. Everything that I wanted from it, it was delivered. It, he doesn't skip any beats when it comes to soundtrack, design, themes, it, dialogue, everything. Just world building, perfect. You can't, there's nothing to complain about. It's amazing. Um, I want to change it up because I don't want to rehash everything. Best scene was definitely when the fucking Witch of the Waste and... Um, Sophie had to get, they got invited to the kingdom. Well, technically Howell did, and Sophie went in her place. And they had to climb those fucking stairs, dude. That was, I was cackling that entire time when literally they just kept on zooming in on the Witch of the Waste. And, like, she just couldn't, like, walk up the stairs because she's just so big. And, like, they he made it a point to just, like, always have the pe- camera pan to her face and show, like, fucking, like, 30 necks and, like, just the sweat, like, <laughs> dripping down. Like, he, he did not fucking care. He made sure that you knew that 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 bitch was struggling and struggling hard. And I just love that whole interaction with like Sophia. She's like, yeah, I should help you, but I'm not going to help you. And I'm just like, yo, what a fucking savage dude. Like, Oh, I loved everything about it. And then that's Heen was introduced and that like that fucking dog chicken or whatever you want to call it was, you know, just amazing. And Oh dude, fucking good. Good work. Miyazaki still, still fucking putting out bangers. And Honestly, I can binge his shit all day. Like, I don't get tired of it. And I think that just comes to what what you like watching and viewing and if you're okay with getting some repetition, you know? Because me, I could sit down probably in a whole day and 24-hour binge every one of his movies and want to do it again tomorrow. Um, I don't know. There's just something that I just looking at all the little details and I just get lost in that and I really like it. And I feel like you can't do that in a lot of anime. It's like, here's the story. It's so complex and you can't really like, don't think of the visuals and everything, but... I feel like this is almost on its head where thematically you know what he's putting it across because it does it, he does it so well and you know it right from the get-go. So you don't have to focus on that. You can really like get into the uniqueness of characters and just the different world that he builds and all the like mystical fantasy aspect of it. And you know, like that's what you get lost into and just like, just look at and you know, really like it or not. What is it called? Like, I can't even think of the words of it. Like, you just, it's breathtaking in a way. And I just really like his art style and how everything is just contrived in his light. I would give it a solid 7, 7.5 out of 10. Um, and definitely recommend, I honestly recommend any movie on all caliber. Like, they're, I can't see people not liking his movie in any way because it's just built so well. Like you're going to have your own preference, but I feel like no matter what, you can't knock it for being a bad movie because it's just so well thought. Like everything is, everything is just amazing. I don't know. Like I can't think of why you wouldn't like it other than it might just be a little repetitive and you've seen some of it before. But other than that, like there, every movie is so unique and so different in terms of just the world building that for me, it just keeps me on edge the entire time. But, um, yeah, you know what, Gavin, you're breathtaking. (laughs) <laughs> you're stunning and beautiful well said sir well said gentlemen um yeah that's our thoughts guys let us know in the comments below what your thoughts were on this movie if you've watched it yet if you feel the need to watch it now that you've heard this amazing podcast on it all the thoughts welcome to share let us know but until next time guys thank you so much for listening we will catch you all later peace out
Later. Bye-bye.